hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Today we are discussing the outlook for fixed income after two turbulent years for the asset class. Investors nursing heavy losses from their bond allocations may be sceptical about bonds right now, but with yields having risen and the traditional inverse correlation between bond and equity returns potentially restored, what is the best way to get bond exposure in the current climate? Joining me to discuss the topic are Lloyd Harris, Head of Fixed Income at Premier Mighton, Fahad Hassan, CIO at Albemarle Street Partners, and Guillaume Payet, Multi-Asset Investor at Aviva Investors. Good morning all and thank you for joining me today. Guillaume, if we come to you first, do you expect the returns from a fixed income allocation, the bulk of the returns to come from from income or capital gains over the coming year or so? Yes, the setup is is quite interesting to start the year. Obviously, after the last few few weeks, we feel that uh, fixed income market is, is priced for perfection in a way. Uh, so, if you break it down from starting with the rates component, you know, you know, you could argue the war on inflation has been won. The Fed is turning into more of a risk management uh, approach. Uh, you know, being concerned about leaving policy too restrictive for too long. Um, so, you know, some people will say, look, there's lots of rate cuts priced in for this year already. Um, and, and to some extent, the market will price the, the risk of a hard landing in terms of, of, of Fed expectations. Uh, but if you look at sort of, you know, 4% Fed funds rate at the end of this year, uh, you know, is that, you know, neutral? Is that still restrictive? Um, I, I guess, you know, if you look at past sort of cycles, you know, when the Fed start cutting rates, uh, they, they usually go for it, and and uh, so so potentially there's, you could argue there's still some room for capital gains on, on the government bond side on treasuries, um, uh, given given the, you know the shape of the rate cycle. I think when it comes to spreads, you know, might be a bit trickier. Uh, the returns definitely have been brought forward with obviously the tightening in credit spreads that was very aggressive in December. Uh, so you know potentially more of a carry-led backdrop definitely for for, for 2024. Uh, you could see some scenarios of uh, of a spread tightening, uh, you know, in case of a soft landing, um, even if there's some real acceleration on growth and inflation. Um, but uh, but overall, the magnitude of that tightening will be definitely more limited from here, and and we'll have to rely more on income. But you know, nominal yields overall are still okay on 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 on, on corporate bonds. So uh, so so yeah, it's, um, it's 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 not a bad player. Lloyd, I know you run a, a range of uh, di- diff- different funds there at, at, at Premier Mighton, uh, and presumably each, each has a different, uh, you know, mandate or, or objective. But overall, do you expect uh, your clients to to get the bulk of their uh, 2024 returns from from capital appreciation or from from the income accrued from that from their bonds? Um, so it's not, it's clearly not going to be a straight line, but we think income actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, as um, as Guillaume just said, you know the bond market has come an awfully long way in a very short space of time. Um, in the US, we are now pricing in six rate cuts. We think that's overdone. So we think if you're at the shorter end of the curve, you're going to do quite well this year. You know because the math suggests so good. The duration is very low there, but the income component is still very strong, and you know that's going to give pretty strong returns 
from relatively safe assets, whether you're in uh, government bonds or investment grade or maybe subordinated of investment grade, um, you know, you can get high single digit returns there. But we're not at this point, uh, given where the bond market has got to, banking on any kind of duration rally. And if anything, we are quite wary of the long end. So really, really for us, this year is all about short end carry. And we think that, that you know, that trade's going to do very well. Fahad, uh, you've had, I guess, a perspective each from from your uh, co-panellists, but are you more interested in the short or, or the long end uh, right now? So I'm uh, going to take a slightly different tack on it because, um, uh, you know, we're sort of multi-asset investors and my primary role is building portfolios, using bonds as one of the components. And from our standpoint, um, we um, had an interesting year last year. Obviously, uh, you know, the longer duration bonds didn't rally until... Uh, the final two months of the year and it looked like you know being in that short duration trade generating most of your uh, returns through income uh, would have been uh, more advisable but as uh, the year came to an end uh, what you saw was long duration and, and shorter duration bonds delivered you know approximately the same return over the year and from our point of view I think the diversification provided by duration, uh, those longer duration bonds, I think is very, very important going into a year where we expect economic growth to be lower. And I know a lot of that was priced in during those final two months. Uh, but should a recession materialise and and uh, should a hard landing possibly start to be priced in, uh, then I do believe that those uh, sort of slightly longer duration bonds provide uh, diversification within portfolios uh, and therefore merit a place uh, within a multi-asset portfolio. Uh, whether returns uh, are going to follow the same script as last year, I uh, am not entirely sort of uh, sure. I do understand that a lot got priced in very quickly. Uh, we may give some of that up. But uh, uh, as I look at the sort of uh, inflation dynamics going into a US slowdown, uh, as I look at Europe, as I look at China, the UK, things continue to slow. And I do believe that that inflation sort of uh, genie having left the bottle is uh, well and firmly back in there. And I think the central banks have, uh, you know, a case to make uh, not to cut if inflation keeps coming down. And I do believe that by uh, the middle of the year that inflation is going to be well under control and therefore it's going to be hard for central banks not to start cutting rates. Uh, and at that point, that duration in portfolios will help you. So having been sort of 90% income and a very little benefit from duration last year, I believe that's more likely to be a 50-50 sort of environment where duration will help you this year. Uh, and that's the way we're positioned within our portfolios. Thank you, Fahad. Uh, that was great. Three three different perspectives from three investors. Maybe that's inevitable in the bond market. But Fahad, we'll stick with you for the next question, if we might. I mean, you you mentioned duration uh, extensively in your your previous answer, and you know, over the last couple of years, duration has really played a very significant role in 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 how a bond portfolio performed to a much greater extent, for example, than perhaps individual securities selection. But do you think about diversification when managing duration or, or are you quite happy to, to take a strong view in, in either direction? And how do you think about duration at the portfolio level? Because obviously you'll have 
equity allocations, which can also be long or short duration. Uh, when we think about sort of diversification within our bond holdings, uh, duration is the overarching concern. And obviously, 2022 uh, is a clear example of a lack of a dur duration view affecting returns significantly. I do think that now that inflation is under control, that you can start venturing out and, and looking at more interesting parts of uh, fixed income. But you've got to you've got to do that in a sort of a risk controlled way within the confines of uh, the broader portfolio. One of the uh, sort of inclusions for us uh, towards the start of 2023, and then we've added in uh, recent months as well, uh, has been high yield. And, you know, I know uh, that there'll be uh, various opinions about this, but high yield uh, bonds uh, provide sort of very high yields, 9%, and have uh, not seen the sort of default experience that many were fearing. And I believe that sort of venturing out and taking a bit more credit risk uh, rather than uh, just having a sort of a duration view, I think is now warranted. Uh, I know that the uh, recession view uh, that I mentioned earlier uh, goes against taking uh, credit risk, but I do believe that uh, if you if you if you look under the bonnet with regards to areas such as high yield, uh, that there are opportunities, and and those are the areas that we're now including in our portfolios. And uh, the other area has been uh, EM debt. EM debt has uh, done very well last year, uh, and we do believe that EM central banks are uh, ahead of the cycle uh, versus developed markets. And, and they have the wherewithal to start cutting interest rates uh, quicker. Inflation is under control there. And we do believe that having some exposure through uh, EM, both hard currency and local debt, is warranted. So uh, I think it's now now is a good time to start looking for diversification within uh, fixed income portfolios. Guillaume, how, how do you think about that managing duration within, within portfolios uh, right now? Yeah, for us, I mean, if you look at, at credit as, as a way to, to, to extend and, and sort of grab some yield, you know, if you look at start from investment grade, you know, we, we said we got very tight spreads. Uh, you know, we got government yields below the cash rate. They could keep come, come down a little bit further. But, you know, it's hard to see investment grade necessarily beating cash, you know, this year. Um, so really, it depends on your macro scenario. But, um but but potentially, uh, you know, high yield can outperform investment grade. Uh, if you know you get a benign sort of slowdown, which is which is most mostly what we expect. So potentially some more sort of compression potential in the in the riskier part of the high yield market. Um, but in a way, it in and as a multi asset investor, you could see what's been going on in in the credit market, and it's similar in EMD and it's similar in equities to 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 a degree. Is that sort of flight to quality? has been going on uh, for the last few years. Um, I know where we've seen like sort of, you know, US tech uh, tech stocks, for example, being being leading, leading the market. Uh, high quality investment grade credit has, has been leading the market as well. Um, so to get sort of that broadening of performance, uh, you know, you really need those laggard, um, uh, low, low rated credit to catch up. Uh, and really, that's 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 really going to come down to the macroeconomic scenario you expect. Lloyd, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I know you run a number of, of different mandates, so maybe have a, a different duration perspective on each one. But as an overarching theme, how do you think about duration within portfolios? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a slightly different conversation for me being a, a specialist fixed income manager. Um, so, so diversification for me is, you know, a mixture of, of, of curve um, on the government bond curve, but also credit and, you know, credit allocation and, um, you, you know, the, the, the positioning of credit on the curve. And, you know, given our views is that on, on kind of short end carry this year, um, given what the market's done at the end of last year, um, you know, it'd be no surprise that that we 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 like short end um, credit in particular. Uh, you know, we think it yields very very well, um, and you know whether that's investment grade or subordinated invest of investment grade, it, it stacks up very very well. High single digit returns. Um, we're a bit more reluctant on the high yield side, just because we think we can we can take that trade um, through through subordinated bonds of investment grade companies and there's no need to go into the, the high yield part of the market. And, you know, certain parts of the high yield market for me are, are, are very crowded. Um, the, the double B part of the market, it seems like every high yield manager wants to kind of hide out there because they're worried about the health of um, uh, of those companies that, uh, that are rated lower, maybe in the single B, but certainly in the triple C. So it's a trade off there for us and we, we feel we're getting we're getting better in in subordinated of investment grade, um, and then the curve. I mean, we we have the opinion here that the curve is is far too inverted, the government bond curve, and we think the curve's going going to steepen from here on in. So again, you know, we we like the short end. Um, we think we're going to get very good returns there, just because of the sheer amount of inversion. Uh, you know, when you've got base rates at uh, at over five percent, and then your ten years uh, already starting with a three. That's fairly significant inversion. Given the heightened volatility associated with developed market government bonds over the past year or two, are they still a diversifier in a in a in a in a fixed income portfolio? Can you invest in them? Do they have a, a role to play? Indeed, are they a safe haven asset class? Yeah, I mean they, they they're always going to be that safe haven asset class. I mean, I think that's important, right? In that, you know, when when bad things happen in the world, government bonds will rally, you know, and it's at that point you want duration. So I think I think it's hard to get away from that. But we also can't get away from the fact that the market is still trading off the level of inflation. Uh, and that is why all asset classes from time to time over the last few years have been very correlated. And they've been very correlated into the end of last year as well. And um, And we're actually of the opinion that we're, we're not quite out of that yet. Um, we've gone through a rebasing exercise in, in in inflation. We think the labor market tightness is still there. Wages are still high, particularly in the US. And you know we might see this correlation in in asset classes for for a little bit longer, uh, particularly this year. But nonetheless, that doesn't take away from the fact that you know if if bad things happen, you're going to want government bonds as a safe haven. PM from a, a multi-asset perspective. Are government bonds there to provide that ballast in portfolios? Are they still effective at doing that? Yeah, I mean, the safe haven aspect is, is, is an interesting one. Uh, I guess it depends on sort of which shock will you expect, what we learn in 2022, that, you know, a supply side inflation shock, or, you know, and a rate shock, obviously, that's where bonds are not really helping uh, in the portfolio. But, you know, having said that, it's ultimately going to be self-defeating, uh, as you know, it will tend to uh, tighten financial conditions. Uh, but yeah, certainly in a growth shock uh, and a recession, you know, you'll definitely get that safe haven aspect. But yeah, in terms of the diversification, you could say, look, 
government bonds are definitely a better diversifier now. Uh, if you look at the yield differentials between, you know, the yield you're getting on bonds versus the implicit, you know, earnings yield on equities, uh, especially with more earnings uncertainty, uh, there's definitely more more diversification coming there. Is it a good diversifier? I guess it's a different question. You know, very still trading with very positive correlation between bond and equities. You know, we saw the both bonds and equities fell together in the third quarter. They both rallied together in, in the fourth quarter. So at the end of the, of the day, you got to believe it when you see it. You know, you need to go back to that less positive correlation. And I agree that it, it comes down to, to inflation sort of continuing to come back under control. Uh, so, you know, you would expect this to improve this year. Uh, but, you know, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. And at the moment, you know, we're still, we're still really not really well diversified in, uh, in those portfolios. Fahad, how do you think about that question? As you said, you, you construct multi, multi-asset portfolios. Is there a role for, for govies in, in all of them as a, as a diversifier or as ballast to dampen volatility? There is a role for uh, government bonds uh, to lower volatility. There aren't many other avenues other than sort of using alternatives and, uh, you know, they can uh, have their own problems and uh, using cash, for example, which we try not to do, uh, given that we charge on it. Um, So uh, I think government bonds uh, do provide um, diversification at the right valuation. So when government bonds were priced with no uh, inflation uh, premium, Uh, then uh, they didn't provide uh, that diversification. That inflation premium has now been priced in. It's, you know, close to 2%. In the 60s and 70s, it was as high as 4%, where, you know, uh, the uncertainty around inflation meant that you wanted to be paid a bit extra to own a bond. Um, uh, We've priced some inflation uncertainty into bonds, and therefore I do do believe uh, that now is a good time to own uh, uh, government bonds because... Uh, there's some level of uncertainty priced in uh, and valuations are uh, more appropriate. And should a a growth shock occur, inflation would come down and uh, that inflation uh, premium would be then realised through higher returns in in, uh, those bond holdings when, you know, equities may be may not be doing so well. So I think the valuation aspect of it is critical. And uh, I think what we were surprised by is um, the inflation uncertainty that got built in uh, to these assets because we were uh, sort of built for a world with uh, inflation being well controlled. And clearly, uh, post the pandemic, uh, that sort of uh, inflation uh, did come to surprise central banks. And and, uh, they have acted, however, and uh, they've acted with uh, great resolve, with great speed. And I do believe that eventually uh, they'll be able to say uh, job well done. Uh, but uh, I think there is 2% inflation premium built in. And I think as investors, that is worth uh, having exposure to, uh, especially when uh, inflation continues to come down uh, and uh, the economy continues to slow. Guillaume, if uh, if interest rates have indeed peaked in the developed world or or our near peak is this sufficient in in your view as a as a multi asset investor to make high yield bonds an attractive asset class um yeah it, it's it's tricky because you know you, you got to be careful what you wish for here you know if uh, those rate curves that are priced in you know they might only be delivered to a degree and you're going to get more cuts priced in uh, if you get a bit of a growth downgrade uh, so from that perspective that that carries some risk uh, in, in terms of the implication for 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 high yield. You know, we said that 
investment grade is, is, is potentially safer in, in a scenario where, where you we expect more of a slowdown, although the, the, the yield cushion is, 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 is very, very tight. But, uh, but yes, it's really, it's really in terms of, uh, you know, that benign slowdown potentially where you're going to see some, uh, some, uh, some compression further in, in, in the high yield spectrum. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's still a very fine line in terms of uh, of uh, having further rate cuts, kind of supporting uh, supporting high yield bonds here. Lloyd, uh, how how do you view uh, high high yield in the in the current uh, market? So I think first of all, worth saying is that you know for high yield, we we still think you'll get a positive total return this year. Uh, we think next year looks looks a bit more difficult. Um, I think in our portfolio so we, we're kind of expressing this in a slightly different way in that we feel we can get better returns um from from subordinated bonds of investment free companies ultimately uh this year um rather than high yield uh and because i talked about you know the the the, the upper part of the high yield the better quality part of the high yield market we feel is a is a very crowded trade um and um and therefore you know we're, we're not getting paid sufficiently um for the risk versus um a risk that we could take elsewhere and you know we feel we can get a a better return so yeah i mean we we, we think the short end has peaked as well in terms of interest rates it's just um it's just that we've got concerns about the longer end um particularly in terms of issuance i mean we you know, the way we kind of look at, at, at fixed income as a whole, I think, um, is that, you know, we think fixed income is going to be part of investors' portfolios for a long period of time here because we don't think we're going back to um, zero interest rate policy. We don't think we're going back to lots of QE. And that was the big driver of, of, of very good returns from the high yield market. We just think we're going to get real returns. Um, we're going back to an environment of of positive real returns from safe assets i.e government bonds and particularly investment grade so i think um you know that that's one of the reasons here we we, we think the the long end's a bit overdone but certainly i mean the maths at the shorter end uh, are very very good um and you know in, in some ways there's 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 no need for that for that reason to um to take a great deal of high yield risk thank you for that fahad you uh, you mentioned high yield earlier uh, positively is your view uh, linked to uh, a view on on the interest rate cycle or or something else so um our view on high yield is linked to expected returns and uh, we uh, do our own work around expected returns from various asset classes and when we look at high yield even assuming a very sort of high levels of default uh, based on the composition of the high yield universe, um, we can get to sort of equity like returns from the high yield uh, sort of universe, and and therefore it looks very very attractive. And uh, while uh, that level of sort of additional uh, risk and volatility may not be appropriate from a sort of pure fixed income point of view, I think when we construct portfolios and we start comparing high yield to equity and various other sort of areas within sort of equity markets from a geographic point of view, I think high yield is extremely attractive given the volatility it throws off, given the shorter duration nature of it. Uh, this year specifically, uh, the issuance is, isn't very high. And, and the default experience that we've seen, I know uh, it could get worse, but 
um, the default experience that we've seen today uh, has uh, been within the realms of uh, normal, and 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 therefore uh, we almost over sort of uh, we were overly bearish about the level of defaults. Uh, and uh, I think uh, that could likely be the case going into 2024 as well. Uh, and even if things do get worse, we are getting paid that very high coupon upfront. Uh, so high yield allocations uh, for us uh, serve a significant role within our income portfolios specifically, where those allocations tend to be a bit larger. But then in our broader portfolios as well, they've delivered, you know, uh, 10% sort of returns last year. Uh, with uh, lower volatility uh, than equities, uh, and uh, I believe they uh, that high yield bonds warrant a place within multi asset portfolios. Thank you, uh, Guillan. How do you think about bond market diversification more broadly in 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 the year ahead? Yeah, so you know we we touched on on on, the, on ways to to sort of diversify your fixed income allocation already, but you know I I agree that the steepener. Is a, is a good idea to sort of provide diversification. Say, if you get a hard landing scenario, you will get sort of bull steepening of the yield curves. If you don't get landing, uh, if you get don't get a hard landing at all, but potentially more concern around government bond supply, you know, term premium concerns that were you know the new uh, that, that were very hot in in the third quarter. Potentially, you do get a bear steepening of yield curves. So. So I, I guess, you know, steepness can be a way to sort of diversify your fixed income allocation in terms of, of playing out that curve risk. Obviously, we also look at regional divergence in the government bond space in particular. Definitely more rate cuts priced in the US at the moment. So there's room to catch up in, in the UK. We still think, despite the recent move, that there's still more, more interest rate sensitivity in the UK economy than in the US. Uh, we think in Europe with potentially more fiscal tightening which is not going to be necessarily a concern for the U.S. as well, potentially more outperformance. So, uh, you know, it's, it's potentially playing the, the, the regions in a, in a way uh, that, uh, that can, 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 can benefit the portfolio. And on the other hand, you know, Japanese government bonds, you know, are an interesting funder for, uh, for these other regions, you know, given the sort of obviously divergent dynamic in, in monetary policy that we're expecting to continue this year with, you know, YCC being removed and, uh, negative interest rate policy being uh, being changed as well uh, in the near future. Thank you. And just to clarify, YCC is yield curve control, yeah. is that correct? That's right. Sorry. Thank you. Lloyd, uh, how are you thinking about diversification across the, the range of mandates that you that you run? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't necessarily disagree with um with anything that's that, that that's just been said. Um certainly I think that the steepener is probably going to play a part as as we stand at the start of the year um things can change though quite rapidly um in the bond market as we saw last year we expect that kind of longer end volatility to be a feature certainly on the credit side um as i said really a mixture credit and i think um although it sounds like fahad and i are disagreeing somewhat on high yield i think we just um we're looking to do things um a premier in, in a in a slightly different way but we're getting to the same point where the carry is going to be a, a fairly decent component of um, of returns for this year, and that in itself is going to provide a diversifier, I believe, to to what's going on in 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 other markets. So I think um, I think it's um, I, as as I said earlier, I think it's going to be a good return total return wise of fixed income this year. But I don't think um, 
it's necessarily going to be a stellar year, but I think we're going to get um, a series of years where we get good returns from from fixed income, and it, it's it's going to remain a feature. It's not a short term trade. Um, it's going to remain a feature of um, of 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 investor portfolios for, for for a while. Thank you. And last but not least, of course, Fahad. Hmm. How do you think about bond market diversification? Um, so our view with regards to um, bond market diversification and diversification more broadly is driven by those uh, expected return calculations and uh, a, the yield uh, available in fixed income is higher than it has been in you know nearly sort of you know fifteen twenty years and uh, there's lots to choose from so um, while uh, there's obviously room to be added uh, being you know various points of the curve and. Uh, being in certain regions, um, we uh, find ourselves having uh, great problems. Uh, you know, what to choose from uh, at elevated uh, expected returns means that you should have a little bit of everything. So if you uh, were to go down the pure diversification route, you'd have little bits of, you know, lots and lots of different areas and absence of uh, sort of in the absence of trading cost, you'd almost, you know, have a, a bit of every area. Um, uh, so the way we're thinking about it is we've uh, been uh, quite sort of picky uh, in, in what we've uh, chosen, which uh, sort of allocations we've had. I think uh, looking forward, what we're looking to do is uh, just start taking a bit more risk. I've mentioned uh, EM debt. I've mentioned uh, high yield um, and uh, I would uh, go as far as to say that I'd be willing to consider uh, converts uh, as an interesting area as well. Uh, and and basically uh, just sort of reintroducing a bit more sort of uh, credit risk into fixed income allocations, I think, is uh, the next step for us. Uh, and, and we'll be taking those steps this year. Uh, before we start considering adding, you know, equity beta through smaller companies or anything else, we'd like to consider fixed income as a starting point to add a bit of credit risk, to add some cyclical exposure within fixed income allocations. Uh, and I think uh, now isn't a bad time to start doing that to sort of Lloyd's point uh, that, you know, returns for the next couple of years could be good because of where we're starting. Thank you for that, Fahad Hassan, Chief Investment Officer at Albemarle Street Partners. And thank you to Lloyd Harris, Head of Fixed Income at Premier Mighton, and Guillaume Payet, a multi-asset investor at Aviva Investors. And thank you all for listening. Please do remember to tune in to future editions of the FT Advisor podcast. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.